Listener Production. Lindsay. Jacob. Big news. Breaking news. Have you seen the poster for the Cocaine Bear movie? It just came out. No. Today. <gasps> uh-huh. You need to have a look right this second. I didn't even know they were making a movie of it. Gisners. Oh, did you not? Maybe you guys mentioned that in the episode, but it was so long ago. It was like over a year ago. Yeah, when Rosie told the story of Cocaine Bear, I think the reason she was prompted to do that was because it was announced that they were making a Cocaine Bear movie. And then it was around this time last year when I was doing the updates episodes that I let everyone know that filming had commenced. Mm -hmm. We now have a release date, February 23, I think it is, is the global release date for Cocaine Bear. Are you looking at the poster right now? I am looking at the poster right now. Describe what you're seeing. So it's a bear that's in a kind of action pose with its (laughs) mouth open, busting through which you might, if you didn't have the subtitle here with the title of the film, think it's a snowstorm. <laughs> but because it kind of is in its own way. At the bottom it says cocaine bear, you realise that it is covered in cocaine, <laughs> inspired by true events. Wow. I'm so excited for this. This looks like a high-quality piece of filmmaking. It is going to be epic. It has two taglines, the first being get in line. I just saw that. Yeah. The other one being don't coke the bear. Love it. And what I didn't realise is they're obviously just using the words cocaine bear as inspiration Mm -hmm. and the story is going to be based around cocaine bear finding his... 40-odd kilograms of cocaine consuming it and then going on a murderous rampage through Kentucky. So they've taken a lot of artistic liberties and I cannot wait to see what the final product is like. Um, It's got Kerry Russell starring in it. I know who did that, yes. Felicity, did you watch that growing up? No. No, you're too young. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all right, I just aged myself there once again. (laughs) Very exciting, Gisners. Thank you all um, for sending the um, image to me again and again and again. As soon as you saw it, you knew how much I was going to love it, obviously. The bear is just in an absolute frenzy. The artwork on that poster is phenomenal. Did they use a real bear? uh, I hope so, (laughs) (laughs) but not real cocaine. Okay, good. Um, What have we got on this week? What have we got on this week? This week, Jake Howie, Mormonism. Yes, we had a lot of fun with Mr. Jake Howie, who is a fantastic Australian, no, Kiwi, Mm -hmm. stand-up comedian. Um, First Kiwi we've had on the pod, I believe. Yeah. Um, We definitely had a few laughs at this one. What do you remember most clearly, vividly, from our discussion about Mormonism? I remember most vividly the cultish element of Mm. the story and just how many parallels there are between an organised religion like Mormonism and something like QAnon. Mm. Just the people who are kind of drawn to a cause or a movement or a community that makes something make sense in their own mind, even Mm. if to most people it doesn't make any sense at all. Yes, choosing to believe and invest in a story that most people look at it and think it's preposterous, but then there's this significant number of people who are willing to just make Mm -hmm. the leap and accept something that seems so (laughs) implausible and has so many holes in it, accept it as truth, Mm -hmm. which is the basis of just about every religion. Yeah, obviously Mm. it helps them sleep at night and it makes really great content. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Uh, we got an interesting perspective from Jake mm. as well, given that he grew up in the Church of Scientology and still has some connections there. Um, and, uh, yeah, in the future... When Miss Waterland is back, mm-hmm. I have no doubt that we will end up doing a full episode on Scientology. Well, we're going to be on their radar after this episode anyway. Yeah, yeah. We'll be on a watch um, list somewhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so we'll have to be careful. Uh, <laughs> you and I may need to go to ground for a little while, but then when the time is right, um, I know Rosie's really, really keen mm-hmm. to unpack the history of Scientology. Uh, anything else we need to say before we go ahead and jump right in? No, have fun. No. Welcome to December, everybody. Final oh, month spooky. of the year. Here we are. All right, have fun. I don't know if you're aware, but Mars is in retrograde and Lindsay and I also don't deal very well in windy weather, so our brains are a little bit scattered. Oh, no, I'm on the verge of tears at all times. Don't worry. Let's just see where this goes. It's <laughs> just who I am all the time. Hello, Gistners. Welcome to a potentially chaotic episode of Just the Gist, a weeklyish podcast in which ordinarily Rosie Waterland and I, Jacob Stanley, give you just the gist of what you need to know about a story we think you'll find interesting enough to share at a dinner party. And as you know, Rosie's taking a bit of time to look after her health. So we've got some extra special guest hosts who've been coming on board. And this week... It's just the Jakes. Just Jakes. Just the Jakes. You're getting two Jakes for the price of oh, one. Three. Which is, <laughs> yeah, free. Um, <laughs> double the Jakes, double the fun. We have Jake Howie on the show. Hello. Thank Welcome, you so much. Jake. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I was just like listening to your voice. It's so beautiful. Oh, thank you. It's so deep and nice. Yes. I always enjoy hearing that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So, Jake, please, could you give our listeners just the gist of who you are and what you do? Oh, happy to. So, my name's Jake Howie. Hello. Hello. Hi. Um, I'm from New Zealand, as you can probably tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a comedian, mm-hmm. stand-up comedian based in Sydney. And I'm also, I, I do copywriting during the day, like every other comedian. Which part of New Zealand are you from? I'm from Auckland, Tamaki Makoto. Aha. Uh-huh. You've been? I have, sure. Yep. Yeah. Went there for work all the time. Nice. Love it. Gorgeous I'm city. sure you didn't. I'm from West Auckland. Did you go to West Auckland? I honestly don't know. <laughs> you wouldn't have. I'm sorry, you wouldn't have, but you know. I thought I'd ask just in case. Like, oh my God, I love West Auckland. No one's ever said that. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember the names of the places I've been. I have <laughs> been to some lovely little suburbs where we had stores sort of scattered around the city, but I can't Probably remember. Probably Ponsonby? Oh, definitely Ponsonby. Yeah, Ponsonby. Yeah, for sure. Used to stay there a lot of the time, actually. Yeah. Ponsonby, we call it in West Auckland. We used to drive, we used to actually, me and my parents, this is a very westy thing, we'd drive around Ponsonby, which is a posh suburb, and we'd look at all the villas and be like, one day, like that was our weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Just go for an aspirational drive. Like, one day I have one of these, mummy. She's like, sure. <laughs> Knowing it would not happen, yeah. <laughs> um, and was that before or after your family had left the Church of Scientology, which we will get into? Yeah, that was, you dropped that bomb, didn't you? Everyone's mm. like, what? <laughs> yeah, that was, well, I mean, when we were in it, and when we left it, we knew we were never going to be living in Ponsonby because so Scientology costs so much money. But we had a lot more free time, actually, because we spent most of our weekends at, like, you know, in the city at the church. Mm-hmm. And so once we left, we had more time to drive around Ponsonby wishing that we were rich. I see. <laughs> <laughs> what a great lifestyle oh, change beautiful. you made beautiful. for yourself. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's get into it a little bit. Yeah, you I'm were ready. in the Church of Scientology. You were born into it, I, I was, believe. Yeah. I was. Yeah, my parents started, uh, they met in the Church of Scientology in, I think, 1975. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to hear a little bit about your experiences, what it was like while you were in the church and then what it was like for you leaving, if you wouldn't mind. Well, I mean, I was so young. Like, it's so hard to, you know, it's, it was normal. I always say that it's like anything in life. It was just my community. Mm. Like, I remember I remember going to barbecues and I remember having, you know, doing little Scientology courses that were called, like, The Way to Life. 
uh-huh. the key to happiness. Mm-hmm. And it was just, you know, us in a room <laughs> with a picture of Tom Cruise, basically just like, this is the way, you know. <laughs> And he was like genuinely at, the, at that time it was the nineties, you know, I'm mm. 37. So it would have been like 90, 85 to maybe 1995 that we were really, um, we were still in it. Mm-hmm. And it was the celebrity, do you remember the celebrity era of Scientology? Yeah. It was like Kirstie Alley, John Travolta, Tom Cruise, you know? Mm-hmm. So I remember thinking I was part of some kind of elite, it was almost like glitterati, you know, right. it was like, oh my God, famous. Like uh-huh. that's how it felt. Yeah, yeah. But um, I always kind of felt like it was a bit weird. Mm. Like I remember as a kid, the intensity, you know, you know, I always say Tom Cruise on the Oprah couch. Yeah. That moment really signifies the intensity of Scientology of just everyone's uh-huh. just, woo! Like there's that real kind of up, up, up. Weird frequency. Yeah. yeah, and I find it very, now to this day, really bizarre when people are positive to the point of insanity. Mm. Like I'm just like, I need a, a stroke of realism in there. Otherwise, yeah. it just reminds me of that. Yeah. Um, and when we got out of it, yeah, my mum ha- had to leave, but her family were kind of still partly in it. So mm-hmm. we had to leave quietly. And I just remember losing a lot of friends. We didn't didn't hang out with the people we hang out with anymore. Uh-huh. And every time they would call us to try and get us back, because I'm sure, as you know, a lot of these kind mm-hmm. of churches and kind of cults, they, the minute you leave, they spend the rest of your life trying to get you back. Yeah. Because you're like a, you're a lead. Mm-hmm. They look at you like a lead. And every time they'd call, even if we didn't know it was them, we knew uh-huh. on some level. And don't answer the phone. Uh-huh. And they'd come knocking to our house. And it was always just, it felt really scary. But I don't think I knew why. Because mm-hmm. I, was, I was so young. But um, I just knew that we didn't have the same community we grew up with, which mm. was sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have You're so like many questions up. You're like, you. oh my God, ask away anything you want. We'll have to skip them, though, <laughs> just in the interest of time. We are probably going to have to get you back for a future episode. Um, what we'll do now is go ahead and ask you to tell us. We've already learned quite a bit about you, <laughs> which is terrific. But to get to know you a little more, um, we'd love to play a little game of two truths and a lie. I love this I believe game. you've come prepared. I have, I have. Lindsay and I are going to spot the fib. Okay, cool. Take it away. Are you ready? Yes. Are you ready? So, uh, number one, I met Beyonce on the street outside Juicy Couture. Uh, second one is I went speed dating and forgot I'd already slept with one of the guys that I was speaking to. <laughs> <clears throat> Thirdly, I fainted on stage during my high school musical and I was in it. Aha. Uh-huh. So let's clarify a few things. What city was the Juicy Couture store in? It was in London, innit? it? Beyonce in London, Juicy Couture around the 2003 era. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then what musical? It was, um, what's it called? Um, Oklahoma. Oklahoma <laughs> where the wind comes through. Yeah. And what part were you playing? I was playing the uncle. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And the other one was the, the speed dating. Speed dating one. Mm-hmm. I'm leaning towards that one being true, just because it feels believable. Mm-hmm. Small okay. dating pool. You've dated enough people. They're also dating other people. You show up at the same places. Having seen your stand up, I feel like that's um, an easy one for me to swallow, as it were. Uh, me too. So look, I want the Beyonce one to be true. So I'm going to go with um, Oklahoma fainting was a lie. Lindsay? I wonder if Beyonce's a bit too outlandish, so I'm going to say Beyonce's a lie. Jacob, you see into my soul in ways that no one has. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Every time. Can I just say I'm a comedian? Imagine if I'd fainted on stage from nerves. Yeah. That would be pretty, you know. So, yeah, no, I, I never fainted on stage. 
I met Beyonce on the street outside Juicy Couture and we had a very brief conversation of About me going... About what? Um, so she was walking out of Juicy Couture and my first instinct was, because it was probably actually more like 2009, mm. and I remember at that stage being like, Beyonce? Juicy Couture? Like thinking kind of like, that seems a bit, you know. Mm. And then she only had one security guard with her, which is insane for like the biggest superstar ever. Mm. And I just went... Hi, Beyonce. <laughs> because it was like she was walking out. One, there was me and my friend on the street, her and a security guard, and it felt really misplaced, this mm. whole kind of ce- glamorous celebrity and these two people. So I thought, I want to normalize this because she she almost looked a bit, this is kind of weird as well. And then she went, hi, how are you? know, her Texas draw, how are you, how are you doing? You know, mm. and, and I was like, I'm good. I can't wait for your new album. And she went, thank you so much. And she got into her car, looked at me, went, bye. And I went, bye. And then I nearly fainted. Uh. <laughs> I was yeah, like, she is scenario. everything yeah. ever. Yeah, and she yeah, was yeah. as gracious and beautiful and stylish as you would hope for. I am so jealous because I've literally told so many people how proud I am that she made eye contact with me once at her <laughs> concert because everyone was silent for whatever reason and I screamed and she looked directly over at me and smiled. And I'm like, that's my Beyonce You were like, we're connected forever. Your yeah. shit's all over mine. I mean, I'm honestly, happy I, for you. I still can't believe like, I'm really happy for you. <laughs> I, but I honestly can't believe it happened. It was so weird. And it was yeah. like one of those moments in London, there was no one on the street. So that one was true. And the other one that was true was... Um, you got it in one. I mean, this was my my proud slut era where I was just really, I was in London. I'd just broken up with a, my boyfriend of six years. I was 25. Mm. And clearly he wasn't memorable. <laughs> so I was like, hey, this is more embarrassing for you, actually. Um, but I did feel very bad, but that did happen. <laughs> I think that's something to be really proud of. Thank you. <laughs> in some strange, strange twisted way. alternate universe. Yep, yep. That's gay culture for you though, folks. Yep. And I feel like we're going to hear more about your experience along oh, yeah. the way while I'm telling you the story this week, yep. um, your recollections of the rather controversial organisation you were a part of, an organisation that was founded by an American man yep. with questionable intentions and mm-hmm. a bit of a shifty backstory, Mr. L. Ron Hubbard, who I'm sure we'll end up doing an episode on one day on Just the Gist. Um, so what I'm going to do is in this episode on this day serve you the gist of the yeah. backstory and the beliefs of another religious group with some somewhat questionable quirks that was also started by an American man. And you can jump in and tell us where there's overlap and where there's contrast with Scientology only as much as you're comfortable with, Yeah, obviously. Don't want the squirrel hunters declaring you. I know next minute you'll be found dead in a river or something. (laughs) It's been like, oh, shit. (laughs) Lindsay and I have to go into hiding as well. Yeah, Um, yeah. so how does that sound? That sounds perfect. I'm I'm actually so excited because I don't know much about the subject. Mm -hmm. Well, the subject is, I'm giving you just the gist of Mormonism which is another relatively new religion that worships Jesus Christ but has its own unique Bible, very unique beliefs. They've got their own magic protective underwear. They've got their wait, own theories on magic. Wait, sorry, is. you just dropped that in casually. Uh-huh. Magic protective underwear. Mm-hmm. What's it supposed to do? Not not make you horny or something? Uh, I'm uh, assuming it's, everything boils down to sex when it comes down to it, usually with things like this. Yeah, it is somewhat to do with modesty, okay. but we'll get into it. Okay, bit sorry, more okay, I'm getting hit myself. A bit, yeah, as we go. And I feel like maybe you didn't hear me say they've got theories on who Bigfoot is. This is. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> Part of their religion is believing in Bigfoot. Was Bigfoot in America? Am I silly to think that? It was America America as well. Yes. Okay. Mm. So you don't know much about Mormons Uh, I know know nothing. Lindsay? 
My knowledge of Mormons comes from an episode that, Jacob, you did a couple of months ago mm. about a particular Mormon story and also this clip from Abby Chatfield's podcast, It's a Lot, where she talks about how Mormons have sex on bunk beds. <gasps> oh, oh, wow. Okay, I'm going to talk about Wait. that towards the end Okay, Because well. okay. I'm like, I've got <laughs> questions. Okay, cool, I'll save them. <laughs> I, I want to know about, like, logistics. Um, I was also going to say the only thing I would know about Mormonism, I always think about... Um, the Book of Mormon. Is that super mm. gay of me? But I always think about the musical. Yeah. First thing that comes to mind. Uh, is the me Book of Mormon. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Um, and when I went to see the Book of Mormon, that was a very um, educational experience for mm. me because I'd gone to high school with a Mormon kid who dated one of my best friends. And I just thought that meant he was part of a branch of Christianity that had some really extra strict rules about caffeine and alcohol and not being gay. He told me outright that I was going to hell okay. because I was gay. Um, so I didn't know how special Mormonism was until I went and saw Book of Mormon like 10 years ago. Obviously, you've seen it and enjoyed it. Lindsay, have you seen seen it? it? It's amazing. It's genius. One of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Um, And I sort of walked away going, oh, I wonder if they really believe those things. Huh. And then I just sort of left it, didn't bother to educate myself any further until, like Lindsay said, I did an episode a few months back um, about the Manacled Mormon case. um, And that fed me a whole lot of information that really piqued my curiosity. And that's why I decided I wanted to do a bit of a deep dive. And um, yeah, I got my heart is tingling. And I also think of Salt Salt Lake City. Isn't that where they all are? A lot of them. I, yeah. That's what what I imagine, at least. Yeah, not all of them, but yeah, yeah. yeah like is, a it, is that their kind of kind of holy city or not? Yeah, yeah. Ish. In the same way that LA is for Scientology. I yeah, guess. yeah. Salt Lake. That city says so was... much about Scientology, right? When you say LA is the holy city, of yeah. you're like that is enough information <laughs> for me to not be interested. <laughs> totally. Um, Before we kick off, I'll just mention Mormons have tried really hard to rebrand in recent times as the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Saints. They've tried to get people to stop calling them Mormons and start calling them LDSs, Latter-day Saints. It really hasn't stuck, and a lot of them still call themselves Mormons. So I'm just going to go ahead and follow that lead and continue to call them Mormons and talk about Mormonism. So... This all begins with a young American man named Joseph Smith Jr., who was born in 1805, and he grew up on farms with his 10 siblings. Nothing really remarkable about him or his childhood. He wasn't alleged to be born to a virgin, and he didn't perform any miracles as an infant or anything. When he grew up, he got in the got into trouble with the law a few times because he ran this con again and again where he claimed he had this special rock with supernatural powers that could help him find buried treasure. He'd take this rock, stick it in his hat, shove his face in the hat to block out the light, and then this special rock would shine lights in his eyes to tell him where he could find treasure. Was his last name Hubbard? (laughs) Because <laughs> this sounds very like Aaron Hubbard in Scientology mm. was a science fiction writer. Mm-hmm. This sounds very, he sounds like a magician. That sounds magician-y to me. Yeah. He did get into folk magic in his youth. Okay. Isn't, yeah. I thought magic, was he, was he born to a Christian family or like a religious family? Yes. I thought yeah. magic was like the devil. Isn't that like anything magical is considered kind of like, not, not the devil, but like mm. witchcraft? Yeah, yeah. So this is like, 
200 years after like the Salem witch trials okay. panic had happened and certain sort of uh, magic-esque practices were allowed, particularly like divination. Um, and this was considered a form of divination. Didn't hurt anyone, so it was okay. There was no way that Satan potentially could. Oh, okay. Um, so that evolved past like, what, you're a witch. And it was more like, that's kind of weird, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You know how they like to do mental gymnastics and come up with loopholes that serve yeah. them well. Unless yeah. it comes to the gays. Yeah. <laughs> There's no loopholes there. No one knows why. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he was tricking people into paying him to go and find loot for them to dig up, just like classic flim-flam trickster stuff. Um, and he got arrested for it a few times because a few people dobbed him in. Then when he was 25, to everyone's surprise, he declared himself to be a holy prophet who got personal visits from the one and only God and Jesus Christ himself, and he went on to found a new church. It was 1830. At that time, there were all these new sects of Protestant-flavoured Christianity popping up around the USA. But Joseph Smith's new religion really stood out in that overcrowded marketplace because it contradicted or amended or supplemented a lot of the Old and New Testaments of the very popular, well-known, well-loved Bible. So... What, what did he say? I, don't, don't you hate that story of like, he just kind of thought one day, you know what? Like, that's how it sounds like it started. Mm. What made him think that that would be, he was worthy enough to be the head of a religion? What was that? I think he must have been cooking this up in his mind for a while. He was probably watching all these other religions popping up because it really was a matter of like a new religion cropping up around the country every couple of days, and he was like, I could get on that. I'm pursing my lips, because don't you think, it, it, talking about it, it almost sounds like social media platforms. Of like, it's like the whole, it started with like, you know, f- oh, actually Facebook wouldn't be, the, the OG would be kind of like um, Bebo, mm. and then they just get bigger and bigger and kind of, one could argue, more insane in terms of how they operate and the kind of things they believe. Mm. It really feels like that. Yeah, Is yeah, this yeah. The, is social media the modern, modern day Mormonism? Is that- well, this was all about him getting followers, so I really think you're onto something. Ding, ding, there, ding. Jake. Indeed. Uh, he got lots of attention because it was so controversial what he was proposing, and let me walk you through what he was selling. This is what he would have us all believe is his origin story. So back when he was 15, just like any teenage boy, he was full of intense angst, angst over which denomination of Christianity was the correct one. Relatable. Classic 15-year-old problems. Relatable, yeah. Cool. Uh, If only God would give him a sign. And he went into the woods to pray for guidance. And lo and behold, Jesus Christ and God himself appeared before him and told him both of them together. Wow, double whammy. Yeah. (laughs) This was his first big revelation that they are actually two separate entities, Uh whereas most Christian denominations would have you believe that they are two parts of the Holy Trinity and all the same Godhead. Okay. Anyway, Jay Christ and the big man (laughs) himself (laughs) said, Joe, Joey. Babe. Hun. Joe Smith. Congratulations, you passed the test. Simply by asking the question, by being a critical thinker, hooray for you. It was kind of like when Charlie passes the test at the end of visiting Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. (laughs) Yeah. Um, they were like, by being sceptical of all the Christian denominations, you've proven you're worthy to know 
the truth that hasn't been revealed to anyone before you. And it was him recounting this to people. That's it. So it was only him there. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. The truth, J-Dogs, none of the churches know the true path to salvation because they only have an incomplete picture of the truth. The truth about creation, about heaven, about earth, about the two of us. One day you'll find out more, but for now, we're going to reward you by washing away all of your sins and guaranteeing you one of the best places in heaven when the time comes. Bye for now. And off they went. And he was like, sweet. Yeah. This sounds amazing. Uh, Well, he was sort of left in a bit of turmoil because he was still like, but then what is the real true faith? When am I going to get more information to tell me the information I need to be able to start the true church? We know that none of the other churches are real. It's kind of like having a good date. At the end of it, you're like, this is kind of promising, but Mm. I want want a commitment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I want a ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How long do I have to wait? How long do I have to wait? The date, I don't know. Um, So he spent the next few years praying for another visit, desperate to receive the information he'd been promised. Three years went by, and when he was 18, an angel visited him, an angel called Moroni. And Moroni told Joey that on a hill nearby, conveniently very close to his family's farm, there were some ancient golden plates, as in like a book made with metal pages, And that book of golden plates would be able to answer all of his questions. It had all the information he was asking for, and it would do much more than inform him. He'd be able to use the revelations on those golden plates to reform all of Christianity and save all of humanity. And this is in America? Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What state are we in again? Is this... Uh, Right now, we're in upstate New York. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, that's Mm. kind of shocking, Mm. actually. Okay. Mm -hmm. Even though... The Bible was written in, I know nothing, by the way, just to warn everybody, wasn't the Bible written in Jerusalem? You can tell I'm a Scientologist. So, because yeah. I'm like, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. how did it get to upstate New York? It was that question ever. We are going to find oh, okay. an answer <laughs> okay. to that question. Yes. Um, it was a breadcrumb. But yeah, straight away, a lot of you probably scratching your heads going, why would there be thousands of years old golden plates that tell biblical stories buried in upstate New York. In New York, York. yeah. Yeah. That doesn't sound quite right. Mm. So, of course, Joseph went to go fetch these golden plates. He found them buried under a rock with Moroni's guidance. And there they were, perfectly preserved, along with a few other ancient artifacts, including a set of magical stones. We know how Mm. our boy loves Mm. a magic rock. Joe tried to pick them up, but... The angel Moroni wouldn't let him. He'd keep giving Joseph electric shocks anytime he'd try to touch them. So Joe went home empty-handed that first time. Then he went back and tried again a year later to the date to retrieve the plates. Once again, Moroni wouldn't let him take them. Then he did it again one year later. And then on his fourth attempt when he was 22 and when he was now a proper, honest, married man Mm -hmm. with a beautiful, pious wife, Moroni was like... Okay, kid, you're ready now. You're ready, babe. You've proven (laughs) your devotion to God. You've proven you're worthy. You may now take the plates. But whatever you do, you must never, ever, 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 ever show the golden plates to anyone under any circumstances ever. I mean it. Joseph promised he would never show the plates to anyone. He took them and the special magic stones home, mentally preparing himself to save the world. Wow. Imagine that journey. 
<laughs> hey, where do I start? Like, <laughs> local or? <laughs> How big do I want to go with the launch? Do we want to do What's a soft vibe? launch? Soft launch. Mm. Let's just go to New York and do the big kabam. Let's do it. Um, I want to give you an idea of these golden plates. Um, oh, do you have so, images? Yep. Oh, so... The, so, obviously, these are not the real golden oh, okay. plates because, I was like, spoiler <laughs> alert, they never existed. Okay, But yeah. these are just recreations that like, people have made based on... Where are they, on- the MoMA? Like, <laughs> how, do we, how do we access them? Uh, if you want to sort of describe, okay, cool. Jake... Okay, it's kind of like a big, it's almost like a file effects. You know when you're like um, a kid and you have like a school thing and there's like mm. the little clips? Three-ring binder. Three-ring binder. What is it? What did you say? Three-ring three binder. Ring. I said pre-ring. That sounds, <laughs> sounds like a sex game. Um, three-ring binder. That sounds like a sex game to me. <laughs> um, three-ring binder. And then it's just kind of got gold and inscribed with, it doesn't look like the alphabet to me. It looks like. It is certainly not the English yeah. alphabet. Yeah. What what alphabet is it? It's a made up series of symbols oh, okay, um, cool. that he claims are on these golden plates that never actually And these existed. plates were sitting out on a hill for four years. Hidden under a rock. Oh, hidden under the rock. In New York. Yeah. <laughs> With the snow and the rain and the sun. Did you say four years? Was it not four years? Didn't he go back four times? He went back four times, yeah, but they had originally been buried there. Oh. Um, Oh, several thousand years ago. Okay. Roughly. And they were electric. Yeah. Uh, no, Moroni was electric. Moroni was electric. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Apparently they weighed around like 30 kilograms. So people who've studied this say, oh, they couldn't possibly have been solid gold. It must have been some sort of alloy or maybe they were gold plated. <laughs> we're like cheap. <laughs> right. Knock off. Tacky. <laughs> <laughs> and... Of course, he used his special magic stones, which, by the way, have names, Urim and Thummim, and they are taken from um, ancient Hebrew practices. Okay. He used Urim and Thummim to help him translate the text, which he said was written in a language called Reformed Egyptian that didn't actually exist. Like you saw, it just looks like strange symbols. And then he translated it into English, if How this makes any sense at all. convenient. Yep. Took Urim and Thummim, stuck them in a hat, shoved his face in a hat, and they told him what words were written on the golden plates. He was dictating what he was reading to a person who was in the same room, but because they weren't allowed to see the plates, they had to sit on the other side of a sheet that had been hung <laughs> from the ceiling to act as a divider. Mm. This is very camp, actually. <laughs> to be honest with you, the, the the theatrics of it, I'm like, do you know what? Kudos. This is. I'm in. I'm in. And we're just getting started. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so Joseph, the only person who ever got to see the plates, claimed that they read thusly. In old, old, old biblical times, thousands of years ago, centuries before Jesus came along, God commanded three different tribes from the Middle East to build boats and set sail to the West, across the Mediterranean Sea, across the Atlantic Ocean, and set up a new civilization in what we now call North America, which was once inhabited by the children of Adam and Eve, because that's where the Garden of Eden had been, but it had been uninhabited for a while since everyone had migrated over to Europe and Asia. But what about the indigenous peoples of the Americas? So they turn out to be the descendants of these three tribes that had moved over on God's command. So these three tribes became colonists in an uninhabited promised land. 
They went on to form nations. They had wars with each other. And the golden plates told these stories about kings and prophets over the course of these centuries that passed. And very dull reading, blah, 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 blah. Then it gets to the juicy part after a few centuries of just sort of history trivia, the coming of Christ. So Mormons agree Jesus was born in the old world, he was crucified in the old world, and he was resurrected in the old world. Mm -hmm. But then Jesus was like, you know what? I'm sick of this place. I'm migrating to America. So off he went. It sounds like the beginning of a rom-com to me, doesn't it? (laughs) It's time for a new start. I'm ready for New York, yeah. (laughs) Going to make my 30s about me. It's kind of like Curdy Ugly. (laughs) (laughs) The best friend going, you can do it, Jesus. Off he goes to make it in the States. Uh, He set up his church, the Church of Jesus Christ, the one true church right there in America, the Blessed Holy Land. More time passed. Jesus went back to his home planet, Put a pin in that for a second. Okay, I'm like, whoa, <laughs> what? Is, are we are we not on God's planet? I thought this was God's planet. It's just oh, me out. We'll get to the okay. cosmology section of it. Uh, and he left the ancient American people very happy, very prosperous. But over time, after he was gone, they got back to fighting. A lot of them lost their faith. But one prophet who always kept the faith was this very beefy hunky daddy type. I'm listening. Called the Mormon. <laughs> oh! Mm. Isn't the he prophet. lovely? Okay, cool. Okay, Mormon. Mm. And was he beefy and hunky? He was portrayed Tom the way... Finland vibes. Uh, kind of more like um, the god Zeus. Oh, so, God. So, you know, daddy with the beard, yes. flowing locks, and just real are we, muscly. Are we Mormon? <laughs> the sounds... <laughs> like every... Denomination of Christianity, there is a lot of very homoerotic um, uh, paraphernalia. I mean, can we just there call are. a spade a spade? It's it is what it is, right? You look at these pictures, you're like, oh my god, like this. Jesus, could <laughs> get raise. <it>. Getting <laughs> <laughs> get <him> hot. <laughs> uh, so the prophet Mormon inscribed all this sacred history of his people onto these golden plates, gave them to his only son. Moroni, who, of course, we met when he went on to become an angel. Um, Moroni added a bit of context that his dad had left out. And then Moroni was the very last of his people. And before he died, he buried the plates in what would one day become upstate New York, where they would wait for someone who was truly worthy to be guided to come and find them and share all this sacred information with the world. And that's where our boy comes in. That's when (laughs) old mate Joe gets led to the plates. Um, I've described how Joe went about his translation. That was quite a sort of... Oh, that was the sheet thing, eh? The sheet thing. stuck with with me. Scribe, yep. Quite a time-consuming process for him to go through. But when the translation was finally complete, Joe was really, really excited to share this one true gospel with all the people of his town. He knew it was going to be a guaranteed crowd pleaser, probably sell out across the nation because not only did it have a fresh angle on the history of the world, but it showed that America was the true promised land and the American audience was going to lap that up. Yeah. Um, And they were really going to love the notion that Jesus himself chose to become an American. That's... I mean, that's so, it's very American, mm. but, you know, with all love and respect, it is. Yeah. 
So he published his translation of the plates as the Book of Mormon in 1830, and it's sort of positioned as like the third book in the trilogy of the Bible. So they still believe the Old Testament, the New Testament, and then you've got the Book of Mormon is part three. Joseph was like, if you're not reading the Book of Mormon, you're only getting half the story. And he set up this church and told everyone that, I mean, every religion does this, says mine is the one true religion. Yeah, after all the thousands of years. Guys, guys, no, no, no. Mm. This is the one. This is you the know. Way. And then, Because it's funny you're saying this, and again, going back to our Ron Hubbard, this is exactly mm. the story of Scientology. If you remove the Bible, like... Mm. It's more kind of, there was a lot of things with like psych, because they don't believe in medication and, and things like that. So mm. it's it's kind of, he was a science fiction writer who wrote a book called Dianetics based on his beliefs yeah. and kind of, there was a vague element of science, but I don't, I mean, we can use that pretty loosely, you know? <laughs> and then it was like, no guys, this is the book yeah. that changes the real thing, you know? Mm. But to be honest with you, if you think about back in 1820, you said? Uh, we're in 1830 now. Yeah. People just, they, they love a good sequel. They love the kind of, the, the hype of it. It's almost mm. like when a new series of Sex in the City comes out, we're like, we know the characters. Yeah. It's that feel, mm. right? Of like, oh my God, yay. And and that's what my parents were in the 70s with Scientology. I, I can imagine them in that time being like, you know what? Joe kind of knows what he's, you know, he's a local boy. He knows what he's on about. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. God, that's crazy. Yeah. And it's not that long ago. Yeah. In the scheme of the world. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. This is quite a new religion. Yeah. yeah in the scheme of things. Um. So he was sort of using that angle to bring people into this church, telling them you will not go to heaven unless you read this book and accept its teachings and join my one true church. We can baptize you right now. Let's go. Of course, one of the first questions that new recruits would ask was, can we please see these holy golden plates? And Naturally, of course, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, they'd get a nice resounding no, not only because he wasn't allowed to show the plates to anyone, but also because, oh, Mor and I took them back. As oh. soon as he finished with the translation, Mor and I came and collected them what is and he like? them somewhere else. Shame. Just Sorry. Stress me out. I need another glass of Sevy B, everybody. <laughs> it's too much. I... Uh, But, Joseph said, the good news is there are like a dozen witnesses who can testify that the plates definitely did exist when I had them, and they can prove that I am definitely not just making this story up. Doesn't matter that those witnesses didn't actually see those golden plates with their earthly biological eyeballs. They got to hold the box that I kept the plates in and feel how heavy it was, and that's proof enough for them that the plates were in there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Also, there were a couple of them that closed their eyes and prayed really, really, really hard until they saw a vision of the plates in their mind's eye. And we all know spirit seeing is just as good as seeing it in real life. And don't have to tell me twice. Yeah. <laughs> sure, all those witnesses are my friends and closest family members, but that's absolutely irrelevant. You should just accept that that's enough proof that the plates did exist and that this is the one true path. And he started gathering followers pretty quickly. He also got a lot of haters. Uh, most Christians really didn't like having their belief system being called into question. They were very happy with the Bible that they loved. They didn't want a sequel, which I can also get to counter the point you made about Sex in the City, that like in our lifetime, we saw the outrage of Star Wars fans who mm. hated the prequels and hated the sequels. 
they refuse to accept them as canon in this franchise that they love. Sometimes people just really don't like it when you fuck around with the classics that well, they're I mean, really attached to. Christians are like, you know, the original fervent fan base of like, we want, the, we mm. like the original album, we don't need a remake, we don't need, you know. That's it. And it does, there is a, a parallel with that kind of fan fandom mm. of like people that just, you know, or, or likewise, protective. people that love anything to do with that franchise, even if it's a piece of shit. Yeah. You're still like, but I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, well, it's fan fiction. That, I find that really quite a fascinating concept, but that pissed people off, but it feels like that's kind of it what the Bible, did. the yeah. iterations of the Bible are. Yes, people were pissed off yeah, about fair enough. You know, the content that he was trying to sell, and also they could tell he was just dodgy. And so he and the followers of his church were forced to move into state a few times. They were chased out of town again and again. So they bounced from their first base in New York to Pennsylvania, then to Ohio, Missouri, Illinois. They couldn't seem to make friends or live in peace anywhere. Um but they did pick up more followers every As time they, they Oh, my gosh. Yeah. How big was the group at this point? A couple of thousand. Oh, yeah. That yeah. sounds kind of fun, though. Yeah. That's like being on tour. <laughs> you know, like you're kind of like fun, like, you know, and then after a while you're like, shit, I think this is a bit too serious. Yeah. Today, a lot of people view what they were going through then as like religious persecution, um, but the history books show that the Mormons were pretty bad neighbours at this time. Like, they were stealing livestock and grains from nearby oh. towns and in quite violent ways sometimes. That's and quite bad. Like, I think you going to say, like, they were really loud and partied a lot <laughs> or something. Like, Mormons? Mormons? They were just wasted. Yeah. <laughs> um, this kind of does feel like the, the idea of, like, picking up people along the way, it just has that thing of, like, every time I talk about things like these kind of I mean, I'm using the term cult when I talk about this sort of thing. Sorry, but that's how I feel it kind of, you know. There's a feeling of like, people just want to be part of a group, right? Mm. We can all relate to that. We all want to be part of the... I always look at it like, at high school, you want to be part of the it crowd. Yep. Regardless of if the it, it crowd are bullies and awful, you still want to be part of the like, that group. Mm -hmm. And I think if you get a charismatic leader, I'm sure, I mean, you haven't said how, how he was, how he came across to people, mm. but I would bet my money that he was probably quite good looking and probably quite charismatic. Yes. Yeah. Which is how most of them... Aaron Hubbard was not good looking, but he was charismatic. <laughs> Do you have a picture of him? Of, of Joe? Is it Joe? Yep. J-Dogs. I'm feeling like he was kind of hot. You know, like often Mormons are quite, you know, quite hot. Oh my God, I would not say no. Oh, he's hot. Mm. Well, do you, that's, I, I think mean, that's, that's a painting, hot. not a photograph, so we that's don't true. know and how flattering the art is. Often the paintings of the 1800s, their features, like the beauty stands were so different that and when you look through, through to, at those pictures with today's lens, you're kind of like, oh, mm. not that hot. You mm. know, but like, he, very kind of like movie star. Oh yeah. I think we'd all swipe right on him. Yeah. <laughs> Just Google Joseph Smith if you want to. Jacob's um, trying to swipe his computer right now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so he was, yeah, quite a charismatic speaker and he was um, really convincing, I guess, even though the story seems like pretty batshit. That is a good salesman. Yeah. Anyway, things get more batshit from oh here. God. So as they were bouncing around the country as a group collecting members, more beliefs entered the Mormon belief system. Over the next few years, Joseph added to the official scriptures of the church. And this is when the Mormon cinematic universe really started to expand. Wait, Mormon cinematic universe? What sort of movies? <gasps> You're like porn, imagine. <laughs> Definitely science fiction. This is where we get into <gasps> the real intergalactic sci-fi Oh my God, stuff. I just felt Aaron Hubbard in my veins. <laughs> mm. 
So he wrote two further books, one called The Pearl of Great Price and another called Doctrine and Covenants. And some of it was stuff that Joe said God and Jesus told him directly because they were still making regular visits to him every now and then. Um, And he had a direct line to them anytime he wanted to talk to them, basically. Other stuff came from interpreting artifacts from the ancient world, specifically mostly ancient Egypt. He even got some of his followers to buy some mummies and some He was obsessed scrolls. with Egypt, wasn't he? What, 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 what's the Egypt connection? I think the fact that there were the connections to the Old Testament in particular that made him think... Oh, yeah, he was like, it's all about Egypt. Yeah, if I can tie my faith back to uh, the Old it legitimizes like that, it. Yeah. Legitimizes. Oh, Joe, your game yeah. is becoming clear. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he had these mummies and papyrus scrolls. They'd been up for auction in the USA, and he made his followers pay a decent amount of money to get them for him. And then he used his sacred magical powers, which once again involves sticking his face in a hat, <laughs> to translate the, <laughs> the hieroglyphics on those scrolls into e- into English. And what do you know? Those scrolls not only backed up what was in the Book of Mormon, they offered all this new information, new revelations about the universe and humanity (laughs) and God and Jesus and Satan and pre-mortal life and post-mortal life. According to these new texts, God lives on a planet or possibly a star. What's the planet thing? Called Kolob. (laughs) Kolob. That sounds kind of like Jacob. It's almost like... (laughs) (laughs) Not too far off. The residents of Kolob are Jacobs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he lives there with all his sexy goddess wives, of which there are many. God's name is Elohim, and he was once a mortal man, but he lived such a pure, devout life serving his own God in his lifetime that his reward was to become a God himself with his own universe full of stars and planets that he could do whatever he liked with. Oh, my God. I'm having an epiphany. Mm. Mormons are also notorious for marrying multiple wives, Mm -hmm. right? So creating your own universe, so it's almost like in their households, it's almost like the wives of the stars and they're in charge of their household, which is why they can have so many. Is that... You guys, you guys are looking at me like you're totally not getting that as well, but that's what I was feeling, no? Um, take me on the ride a little bit further. I, I just feel like when you were saying that about being the god of mm. your own planet mm. with all these different stars and these beautiful wives and stuff, mm-hmm. it's almost like in, I'm talking about the extreme cases of Mormons who are, you know, po- polygamy and stuff. Mm. It's almost like your household is the planet that you're the god of. Ah, and being the god of your household allows you all of these wives or whatever to be, you know, serve your every need. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There must be a relation, right? Mm -hmm. I think you're on the right track there. And that would then be considered a bit of a dress rehearsal because I'm kind of skipping a few steps here, but the people who live the purest, most devout lives here on earth Mm. might just get their own planet that they get to be the god of with as many wives Mm -hmm. as they want. I mean, that is so vain, right? It's so Mm -hmm. narcissistic, right? That, ugh. Sorry to also no sense to more, yeah well because se- only the men are eligible to get the planets and of course the women just get to be the wifeies. It's it's hard to find an an organized religion that it doesn't operate in a kind of sexist way. Yeah, I would say. Um, <laughs> Someone described Mormonism. Yeah, right. Yeah. Someone described Mormonism as this is just a religion that's created by men for men. It's like, oh, honey. <laughs> You're like, read all of them (laughs) because they basically are the same, you know. 
And that's, that's right. it's so crazy as well because why? I don't know. It's, it, it really confuses me. Yeah. What was God going to do with this new universe of his? He decided he was going to create a planet called Earth out of some of the materials he found lying around his newly acquired universe. That's so shady to Earth, eh? <laughs> yeah. Why was he going to create Earth? Because he and his many goddess wives were making all these little spirit babies and God wanted to give his kids a chance to be mortal, just like he got to be back on his home planet way back when. He wanted to keep that family tradition alive. And the Earth experiment was also a bit of a test to see which of the kids was worthy to spend eternity closest to him and who should be left out in the dark on the outer planets, which are like the Mormon version of hell. How they lived their mortal existence while they were on Earth was going to be what would determine what part of heaven they'd go to once they died. So he told a couple of his adult sons, Jesus, who was the firstborn and the favourite. I'm familiar. And... (laughs) Lucifer. Oh, I'm very familiar. Mm. Uh, He told his two boys that he was going to create this planet experiment and send all of his kids to go live there for a while. Jesus and Lucy listened while he explained. Uh, The plan was the kids would enter the earthly realm as babies with no recollection of their pre-life. Then they'd live a few decades as mortals in which they could prove how worthy they were to be close to their heavenly father after they died and returned. The exceptionally good ones, as I said, might get their own planet to rule over and become gods themselves. Wait, so are you telling me that, that, am I getting this right, that Jesus and Lucifer and God are aliens? Essentially. Because that, that, in Scientology, that's the same sort of thing. We're Mm. we're Thetans, Mm -hmm. Thetan beings which came to Earth from outer space. Mm-hmm. Yep. So You get in the connection? What the, like, it's, yeah, we're right. Alien, so aliens. In a way, there are elements here that went on to, I think, become the blueprint for Scientology yeah, totally. down the track. So, I mean, the people who study this stuff and believe it are part of the Mormon church, believe that Kolob is at the very, very centre of the universe inside a galaxy, and our galaxy is just one of many galaxies that rotates around but that I thought, galaxy. I thought like alien, like extraterrestrial life and stuff. Am I wrong to say that in a lot of Christian Christianity, they don't believe in like alien yep. life? Correct. Yeah. So this is quite a big difference between... Yeah. Like, and it's one of the many reasons that a lot of Christians say, look, they might worship Jesus Christ, but they are not Christians. They're, so Christians totally think Mormons are loopy. Mormons think Scientologists are loopy. Right. And Scientologists probably think Gwyneth Paltrow Goop is loopy. You know, yeah. like it kind of all... The, the, the one before thinks the next one's loopy and the one after is even crazier. Yeah, that's Gosh. right. Yeah. Anywho, once they'd heard this plan, Lucifer said, yep, great. Why don't we program all of them when they're humans to have to follow God's will? Let's give them no powers of choice, no free will of their own. Whereas Jesus said, no, I think the point of the exercise is to give them free will, let them choose to be good or choose to be bad, and then let the cream rise to the top and then put them where they deserve to be. It sounds like stand-up comedy. Can I just say, this sounds like stand-up comedy. <laughs> in what sense? Like, just like, you know, let, let, him, at, let him at it uh-huh. and the, the good will See rise does the best and the evil will fall. Got it. Yes. Mm. So although, that, although, let's be real, in, in the entertainment industry, sometimes the evil also rise. Right. But, you know, it's, it sounds like a similar concept of like most most structures where, with, you know, a subculture, mm. 
the whole subculture is based on let them at it mm-hmm. and see who see who makes it. Yeah. That's kind of life. Yeah. And that's the way Jesus and, of course, God, who always sided with Jesus, thought the earth experiment should go. Um, so they decided, yep, we're going to go ahead and stick with that version of the plan. That made Lucifer very cranky. And he tried to launch a coup, take over the universe from his father. A war was fought in the heavens. Lucifer lost and God punished Lucifer by sending him and his followers to earth for all eternity. And they were never going to get a human body, unlike all of their other spirit baby siblings in that far off galaxy where they lived. They just had to become ghostly demons that had to remain on earth forever, wouldn't be allowed back into heaven. Then God looked around at all his other kids and said, okay, those of you who fought on my side, you're going to go to earth. You'll hopefully spend your lives worshipping me devoutly enough that I'll see you when you're back here after you die and we'll spend the rest of eternity together. Also, enjoy the nice pale complexions and hair I gave all of you. You're welcome. I've given you a major advantage okay, in life. That's a there. red flag right there. It's about to get worse. Yeah. As for those of you who didn't pick a side between me and Lucifer, you are still going to Earth, but you might not be coming back at all, and you certainly won't be coming back to the best parts of heaven because we're implementing a diamond, platinum, gold, silver, bronze membership program. Oh my God, this sounds here. like an air points or something. <laughs> They didn't literally use is this, be- this. Is this Qantas? Is yeah. this the beginning of Qantas? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> um, and these uh, kids who sat on the sidelines weren't going to be welcome in the top tiers. Oh, God. And P.S. That's where I would have been. <laughs> that would have been where I was banished to. Just watching it all go watching down. It going, this is kind of fucked, Cheering eh? on popcorn. <laughs> oh, he's With my sav. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Um, He also told these kids that while they were down there on earth, he wanted everyone to know that they were cowards who wouldn't stand up and fight for their heavenly father. So he was giving them all the curse of dark skin so that the good people would recognise that uh, they were not as good or pure as they okay, are. Okay, so this is, a, this is a religion based on pure racism. Disgusting Like racism. blatant pure racism. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. And um, there's this whole, you were saying before, there's like an Aryan fantasy thing, right? Like all the good Mormons are, are like Aryan kind of That's right. Witches? Yep. That's if you were put on nice. earth with pale skin and blonde hair, it's because you were one of God's most favoured children in the pre-life. Foul. Absolutely foul. That's actually, I, I don't, I mean, uh, even though nothing should shock us with what we now know about the world and, mm. you know, it, it's still kind of like, how, how is it still a religion? Yeah. So they had to make a change in 1978 because so many people were outraged that this church was literally preaching that people of colour were born without God's favour and they were not allowed to enter into Mormon temples. But you know, th- this does culturally make sense for the United States, though, in terms mm. of the history of the country, right? Like. Yeah. That that is it's it's quite disgusting. That, yeah, that, I mean, this is pre Civil War, so yeah. slavery was still, was still rampant. Like, yeah. yeah, and it was, but in, in, yeah, upstate New York. Wow. Okay. By this point, uh, they're they've moved west, so yeah. they're sort of around the Illinois kind of area by okay. now. Yeah, which was kind of the furthest west the country stretched at that stage because they hadn't expanded all the way over to the, the but west. To be honest coast. with you, it's kind of good to talk about this because I think a lot of the time. I didn't know. I don't know how I didn't know. I didn't know this was based on pure racism. I just kind of thought it was like oh, a, a different sect of Christianity that's mm-hmm. 
from my view, was a bit kind of loopy. Yeah. But I didn't really look into it. But that's made me feel very like, fuck this. Mm. Like, fuck this church. Sorry, but totally. that's how I feel. Yeah. They have made a lot of really positive changes because they've had to. Um, and because how, I, Do you know what? Sorry to interrupt you, but I, I just always, with things like this, it pisses me off. It's mm. almost like McDonald's offering salads. It wasn't because you wanted to do it out of the goodness of your heart. Mm. You had to because people's tastes mm. changed. Yeah. So I don't know how much you know, how much love we should give them for making a change that should never have existed. Mm. I just, I always feel really like skeptical of giving people, applauding people Mm. for doing things that when the general public have gone, what you're doing is kind of fucked. Mm. Maybe change it. Yeah. I I just, that doesn't fly with me. Okay. I've said my piece. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Look, I think it's better than if they didn't make a change. And I will also applaud people who um, try to make Improvements generation by generation. Absolutely. And don't just follow but, traditions but being that applauded are up. to me, being celebrated for something should mm. come out of, of your own volition, your own kind of, no, this is wrong and I'm going to do it. That's mm. why trailblazers, yes, but following those trends is great. Mm. But it, it annoys me when it's like, oh, we've made lots of changes. It's like, well, you, so you should have. Yeah. That was <laughs> bare minimum. Long time ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, the way they made changes. So there are still prophets in the Mormon church to this day who received messages and revelations from God, Moroni, Jesus Christ. And so over the years, that's where they've received revelations, where it's been like, God's cool with the blacks now. The blacks are allowed to enter into the temples and he's decided that they're allowed to come up into heaven and be with him as long as they become good Mormons. Yeah, that's how they've gone back and basically rewritten the scriptures. We're good. Like what? Yeah. We'll move on from the race stuff and... um, just talk about some of the other things that God and Jesus would inform Joseph Smith were important things to pass on to his followers, like make sure everyone knows it's a very, very big sin, a mortal sin, you might even say, to masturbate ever or have premarital sex, goodness forbid. And by the way, make sure everyone knows they can't drink alcohol, they can't drink tea, they can't drink coffee, they certainly can't ever smoke cigarettes, they're never allowed to gamble. Oh, that sounds so unfun. I know. <laughs> and why wanking? Take What's away wrong the with that? Joys <laughs> in life. Uh, I think that was actually in the Old Testament or the New Testament that you shouldn't be wasting your seed. I think it's a very small reference. Oh God, wasting your seed. That's so gross. I know. <laughs> it just makes me not want to do it if you call it that. <laughs> oh, also, this was very important. You can only get into heaven if you're married to another Mormon. So if you plan to marry mm. someone, you better make sure that they convert to Mormonism. P.S. No homos. Straights mm-hmm. only. We don't want... Wait, we're not welcome? What? <laughs> I, I can't believe that. Uh, yeah, they weren't very original with that, were they? <laughs> no. Um, oh, P.S. This is a really important one. Make sure everyone knows they can only get into heaven if they give us a minimum of 10% of their salary every year. Also, we've decided we want you to wear this really special underwear with sacred symbols. I've been waiting for this bit. At all times. Um, Yes, it is a full length onesie. And yes, it's uncomfortable. And yes, it makes toilet time very tricky, (laughs) but it's worth it because it will protect you from all those nasty, nasty demons. What's it made from? What material? Cotton. Okay. And I'll show you an I'm like, image. Oh. <laughs> That's actually onesie. <laughs> uh, We're both like, I might order some actually. <laughs> this sounds good little winter ensemble. Okay. Okay. So, this is to keep people from having sex. Or touching themselves. 
The official reason is to protect you from demons that might try to attack you. So see the sacred symbols yeah. on the chest at about nipple level and on the knees. To actually look like an Eleanor V. I was like, oh, Louis Vuitton? Is that? <laughs> but it looks kind of like a, um, a prison jumpsuit. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could argue that it was sort of oh. imprisoning them. So they had to wear that at all times, apart from when they were bathing. And yes, I think it did also have something to do with modesty. That's what it's been updated to within the last couple of decades. So you can get short sleeve versions that come in a two-piece if you want to, because there were newer revelations where God and Jesus said, yeah, that's And it okay. kind of, just for everyone listening, it kind of, the picture of this of this man and woman, it looks kind of like what your nana and granddad would wear to bed, mm. right? Like it's that kind of vibe of yep. like granny, granny, granny grandpa pants. Mm-hmm. So a lot of Mormons you meet will be wearing that underneath their outer clothing. All the Mormons we meet that take their clothes off for us. Yeah. <laughs> so many. <laughs> I just thought of Shakira's song as well. Underneath your clothes. I think that's like them going high. <laughs> uh, a couple of other important rules. You're a sinner if you talk to anyone outside the church who's ever doubted the church in any way. It's a common uh-huh. thing for religions though. Or cults. Cults. Yes. Yeah, but it's like, not allowed to talk to anyone anyone else because they don't know what's going on and they're evil and they're corrupting you. And you're like, okay. Yep. Anyone who's left the church or spoken badly about the church, you won't be getting into heaven. Scientology. Ding, 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 ding. Um, There were all these rules from God and from Jesus that got more and more sort of extreme and made followers' lives more miserable. But they introduced a really fun one for the men folk, which was, as we've mentioned, good news, fellas, you can marry as many women as you like and get them while they're young. And Joseph Smith led the charge with this by marrying like 30 women in his lifetime, some as young as 14 years old. But he and all the other Mormons had to do it on the down low because even though God had said it was okay because God himself had all these wives, the US government didn't agree and he really didn't want to go to prison. So he tried to keep it all very Dilemma. hush-hush. Yeah. Was, mm. God wasn't a person though, was he? Was, isn't God a spiritual being, a spiritual entity? Uh, yeah. So, he, I mean, he, I in mean, many ways he does get his own set of rules, but this is one situation where they were like, God wants you to live the way he lives. But it's just, I always find that so funny because my if that was me, I'd be like, okay, God wasn't a human entity. He was a spiritual, they were a spiritual entity. Mm. So how, like the idea of a spirits being in a relationship physically, to me, that that's an issue. Because it's like, wait, it's different for people because we're in human bodies. Mm. So how does that work? They, I think they... God could certainly take on a human body whenever he wanted oh, yeah. to. According to Joseph, when he was there visiting him, okay. he was in like flesh. Mormons also, if I understand this correctly, believe that when God took on human form to impregnate the Virgin Mary with Jesus Christ, he was made of flesh and bone. Because keep in mind, God had been a flesh human in his real life who then got promoted to God's status. Okay, I know. I'm like, this sounds like a pyramid scheme. <laughs> I'm like, and I'm in. How do I do it? Um, that's that's gross, though. This this history is not painting a great picture. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so even if you could convert, you probably wouldn't. Oh. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, I, count me out. <laughs> I don't know. How were you feeling? Yeah. Look, I'm sure very few people who are listening to this are buzzing to convert to Mormonism. But Joseph Smith and his followers were compelling enough that when they were trying to recruit new followers, they 
they kind of found it relatively easy. So they kept sort of growing and growing in numbers. Then Joseph Smith, J. Smith, became a martyr in 1844. He was killed by an angry mob in a town called Nauvoo in Illinois. He was only 39 at the time, but what a life he'd led. When he died, he was the leader of his own cult slash religion, as well as its head prophet. He was the lieutenant general of the Mormon army, which he'd set up to defend his people, who he believed were being unfairly persecuted. He was the mayor of the town of Nauvoo at the time, which he also owned because he'd purchased it with church money. And he was running for president of the United States of America Hi, at Chief the time. You've got to give him that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was really sort of in his prime, but he was shot down in a blaze of fury by these very, very cranky people. Why did this angry mob kill him? Outside of Mormonism, he wasn't ever a very popular man because of the blasphemy, the polygamy, the being a con man in general. Um, And even within the church, he was losing friends because he was allegedly proposing marriage to his friends' wives, encouraging them to leave his friends and come join his harem. Joey's advocates, though, say he could have won the presidency and the assassination was politically motivated or they say it was religiously motivated by some bigots who couldn't stand the fact that he was spreading this truth that was contradictory to what they believed. It seems that the specific inciting incident was, though, that Joseph ordered the destruction of a printing press at a local newspaper and tried to shut the paper down completely because they published some unflattering articles about him and the mob killed him in retaliation because they could see this guy was clearly a tyrant who wanted to take control of the entire country. That's very, like, Trumpy, actually. When you said the whole thing of, like, you can't say anything bad about me, otherwise I'm going to get pissed off. I'm like, wow, that's... I know. There are so many parallels to now. He, like, he wanted to shut down the media because they were putting negative messages about him out there. Um, And so they rose up and did something about it. And... They weren't far off. Like, Joseph's plans, his ambitions were to make America a theocracy and make himself the king, and he wanted to take over all of North and South America with this religious um, uh, justification that they were creating the kingdom of Zion that the scriptures had always promised. But it wasn't to be. Bye-bye, Joe. Sorry, Joe. Yeah. And the question that remained after his death was, would the Church of Jesus Christ be able to go on without him? And as we know... Turns out... Certainly did. Yes. <laughs> so one of Joe's apostles, a bloke called Brigham Young, took over Joe's titles and he's the one who moved all the Mormons and all their money to a peaceful piece of the promised land that was just outside the US borders at the time, Utah. So Utah hadn't been accepted into the Union as a state yet. They built a city by a big salt lake there and called it... Salt Lake City. Well, so the origins of Salt Lake City are actually Mormon. 100% Mormon. Wow. Yep. Um, When it was founded, it was exclusively a Mormon colony. Um, They fought really hard to get Utah turned into a state as part of the American Union, 
By this time, though, it was well known that they were all practicing polygamy. And so the US government said, you cannot join mm. the United States unless you shut down the polygamy practices. And so that's when they were like, okay, yep, yep, we promise we won't have any more plural marriages. Totally fine. But of course, a lot of them just kept doing it on the slide. Let's be real. Polygamy, yeah. that's so interesting as well because it's still illegal in America, I'm assuming. It is, yep. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of weirdly like, I don't know if this is, but it's kind of almost weirdly. I guess it's no. I was about to say it's kind of like the freedom of freedom of love if people choose that now mm. seems quite progressive. But then the mm. fact that probably so many women were kind of oppressed into it, yeah, makes it complicated. Yeah, but it's so crazy to me that 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 whole city was built on this religion. I can't quite wrap my head around that because mm. you kind of think of American cities as like New York, LA, like oh, okay, Salt Lake City. There's a lot of Mormons, but America, there's a lot of everything, you know, and and that's part of why America's so interesting. But the fact that the city was built on that religion, nothing, well, not much existed before they started building. Right. So it was built on Mormon money. Correct. Yes. Shit. Yep. And there was plenty of it, and there is still plenty of it. <laughs> okay, they they are, they are the third richest church in the world. No, they have more than a hundred billion dollars. This was only no. revealed a couple of years ago. Yeah. What are the first two? two? What, Surprisingly, number one Catholic? is Greek Orthodox. Greek Orthodox. Yeah. Wow. Oh, Seven hundred billion dollars. Shy. US. Um, and then the Catholic Church Catholic. followed, and they don't know exactly how much they've got, but they're assuming it's somewhere between a hundred billion and seven hundred billion. Do you know? It's, I, I'm, I'm so naive. I was thinking like the two biggest religions, Catholicism and Islam. Oh, okay, the most people. That makes the sense if they're the richest, but mm. that goes to show that it's so much deeper than just how many people follow their religion. That's right. Yeah. Because how many how many Mormons are there in the world? There are about sixteen million members it's of the nothing. church. Nothing. But it's more than Jews. There's wow. only like fourteen point something yeah, million yeah. Jewish people. So there's more Mormon people than world. Jewish people. Yeah. As a percentage of the planet, it's really, really, really small. Um, but membership is growing and growing. Yes. No. Exponentially. It's growing. Internationally or just in America? Internationally, yeah, all around the world. It's growing really fast in Latin America. Yeah. And it's also growing really quickly in the South Pacific nations. I was about like to say, Tonga. Yeah, I was about to say in, in New Zealand, like growing up in Auckland's the biggest um, Polynesian or the b- biggest city in Polynesia. And there's a lot of um Pacific Islanders in Auckland. And I know that Mormonism has come over and a lot of Polynesian communities are in mm. Mormon churches. I, I'm not sure which country it is. I can't remember, but there's one specific country mm-hmm. that um, where it's really popular. I think it might be Tonga. Yeah, yeah. Tonga or somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just sort of exploded there in popularity. And so, yeah, they're just going to continue to grow because they're going to continue to have babies and continue to... And they've got the coin behind them. The church. Mm. Yeah. I mean, gosh. That's right. Um, yeah, and they're navigating the world with this totally different belief system to the rest of us. And there is this sort of underlying animosity bubbling away between them and Christians, particularly evangelical Pentecostals, um, because the Pentecostals just really don't like the things that the the Mormons believe. They believe that it's out-and-out blasphemy, that they believe in multiple gods. They believe that God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are separate beings. And, you know, they've got this different version of history that doesn't align with their own. And so they've tried, the Mormons have tried to culturally counter this animosity by developing a reputation of always being 
sweet mm. and polite and caring and generous. And they've really tried to focus on the messages that they are all very family oriented. And just but do you want family oriented? That to me, that word has been completely bastardized mm. into family oriented. When I hear that, it scares me. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm not welcome. It's and like I, when you start a new job and they tell you that it's a family. You're like red flag. <laughs> yeah, you've got a ping pong table, yeah. but I know. But that's mm. you're what's not. Happen? It's it's almost like when people. I I find it the latest word that's been kind of like appropriated from a really positive thing to, you know, is empower, I want to empower mm. you. And you're like, what do you mean? Do you mean give me all the work? Because yeah. that's what it means to a lot of people, you know? Yeah. Family orientated. When I hear family oriented, I think uh, heteronormative. Yes. Yep. And even though, you know, they're trying to maybe sort of shift that perception or not Mormons, but other different institutions that talk about being inclusive of all sorts of families, really family oriented is still, it's still where it comes out. for And don't you feel like sometimes it's like when they say stuff like that, it's like, it's just because queer people are making money now. True. We're out and making money. Yeah. There's that pink dollar, mm-hmm. honey. And and so I just, again, I was raised in a cult. So my you probably feel a bit more kind of aggression coming from me when I say this, like, no, people change, I don't care. You know, mm. but it's this thing of like people change when it suits them, yeah. not when they not when they should or when it's the right thing to do. So that just because we have money as a community now and we have cultural and social power, mm. all of a sudden it's like, you know what? The gays are kind of all good or like the queers are all good and you're like, you just want our fucking money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, piss off. It's you to yeah. embrace us now. That's why I feel like the pop's actually really us. nice now. I am sceptical because I feel yeah. like, is it that, I mean, it's great that, as you said before, it's great they're making making waves in the right direction. But mm. at the end of the day, is that just because they're losing membership because... They're being the, the, of all the hate against queer people, or because mm. queer people now have coin. Mm. So, mm. yeah, totally hear you. A um, couple of final things I just want to mention. They do this thing to this day called proxy baptism for dead people in their temples. So, after someone's died, regardless of the religion that person either chose or was born into while they were alive. A Mormon person can pretend to be them and go through the process of being baptized. And then the Mormons believe that in God's eyes, in the church's eyes, that dead person is now officially a Mormon. That's creepy. I mean, let's be real. That's very creepy. But also, isn't that there a consent issue there? Correct. Like if I die and someone's like, Jake was Mormon, I'll be like, no, 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 no. don't believe them. It's still a very controversial practice. Specifically, the Mormons have agreed that they will stop doing it with victims of the Holocaust (gasps) because they had been doing it with Holocaust victims over and over and over again. The Jewish community found out about it and was just like, how dare you? So they have agreed, all right, we won't do it for Holocaust victims, what's but everyone pur- else is still fair game. But what's the, why? What's the purpose? I don't really understand it. They want to get more people into heaven, back to God for whatever reason. Yeah, when you said fair game, yeah, it's a Scientology term. Mm. Did you know that? Yeah. So we've already said that God decided that the Mormons had to wear this onesie underneath their clothes at all time. And the original blueprint came from God, but it's been amended over the years According to the testimony of some Mormons, that garment doesn't just protect them from supernatural forces that might do them harm. The temple garment has saved them from real-world things that could harm them. Like, for example, there are testimonies of people saying that the garment saved them from being burned in a fire or that, like, for example, the garment prevented an axe 
from cutting into one okay. of their limbs. I mean, I don't believe that. How do you feel? <laughs> <laughs> is, uh, yeah, difficult to swallow, but there are Mormons out there who truly believe. And by the way, for most of them, they can choose whether they do or don't wear the garments. Yeah. But, yeah, there are some who truly believe that that piece of cotton um, can not only fight off supernatural demons, but the tools of man. And speaking of the tools of man, teenage Mormons are doing everything they can to enjoy a nice man's oh, ding, tool. ding, ding. Here we go. Uh, without breaking the Mormon rules about pre-marital sex. And, and masturbation. Uh, correct. Yeah. How would okay, take us through how that is possible? <laughs> mm. So this, of course, is why they and a lot of other um, extreme religious people um, get married really, really young because they can't have a wank and they can't have sex unless they get married, so they do it as soon as they can. But <clears throat> have you heard about the poop hole loophole? <laughs> 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 no, but something's telling me I kind of know what it may be. You Try this at home, folk. <laughs> but enlighten us, there. enlighten us, yeah. enlighten us. So technically you're not having sex before marriage if you're taking it up the butt. Okay, so, but how is that How is that different to winking? Well, in terms of like boys what? not putting his hand on his so, junk. Yeah. And Girls not it's have, just going in, yeah, in, in the in the beehole. That's right. Yeah. D- d- does that seem weird to you guys as well? <laughs> Am I just crazy? I think there'd be something wrong if you didn't think that was weird. <laughs> that they think it's okay to have just anal sex, Pen- but because it's penetrative, it's to me that's more would be more serious. I would imagine, mm. and also someone else is involved. Yeah. When it's just you, it's like just you. You can do what you want, you mm-hmm. know. But yeah, this is how they've interpreted the poop, rules. It's called the poop hole loophole. Poop hole loophole. <laughs> There's That's also quite a, a catchy phrase. I've got to be honest with you. <laughs> I, I can imagine it on a T-shirt, you know. Yes. <laughs> it's merch. And have you heard about Mormon dick soaking? No, yes. but I can't wait. <laughs> this is something that Lindsay sort of alluded to earlier. Mm-hmm. So the original classic Mormon dick soaking is where they were... <laughs> Lindsay's penis, lost it. <laughs> the P goes in the V and then you do not move. You just leave it there. Oh, my God, I have heard about this. Yep. The stationary method. Yes, it's only sex if you move in and out, but just putting it in there, just docking it in. So docking it in, but do you leave it there till you come? What's what's the deal? I honestly, <laughs> can, I can you show us? Can you, do, can you do a little demo? Is that cool? <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. I mean, I would argue that penetration includes entering. Uh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> yeah. Mental gymnastics to make this work. There's another level of it though. Lindsay mentioned the words bunk bed. So if you do the soaking on the bunk bed and your friends stand around and shake the bed, you're not technically the one who's doing the thrusting and the pumping. Mm-hmm. So you're not doing anything wrong. You're okay. not having sex. Points for creativity. You've got to <laughs> give it to them. Just happening. Yeah. You give it to them because they're not giving it to each other, clearly. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Wow. Um, and then there are, uh, there's this sort of subculture as well of them arranging to have like quick, cheap marriages, like just for one or two nights so they can have sex as man and wife and then get the marriage annulled, annulled. the very okay, next day. Good. And they just repeat that process does the again hole, and again. Does the poop hole loophole work for gay people? <laughs> <laughs> if I, you know, is that, I mean, that would be, you'd think if it doesn't count, then why does, why are they so anti-gay? <laughs> So many questions. So left many questions. I want. Make I want, it make let's sense, get us Mormons. Make it <laughs> make, make, it make sense. sense. I don't know if this can top poop hole loophole, but um, yeah, I feel like we should talk about the fact that some Mormons think Bigfoot is real mm-hmm. because of their 
interpretation of the scriptures. So in the Bible, it says that Adam and Eve were the very first humans and their first two kids were sons, Cain and Abel. Cain killed Abel because he was jealous that Abel made a sacrifice to God that God liked better than Cain's. So Cain was doomed to wander the earth for all eternity as his punishment. And Mormons would tell you that Bigfoot is Cain, still wandering the planet, suffering his eternal punishment for having murdered his own brother. Okay. And there are claims, there are testimonies from Mormon folks who reckon not only have they seen Bigfoot, they've chatted with Bigfoot. And in their minds, they like the idea that Bigfoot exists because he's living proof that the Bible is true. So this is something that is preached, not believed by all Mormons, okay. but by quite a lot of Mormons, they believe. When, when was he last conversed with? <laughs> Just last week. Oh, yeah, because I'm like, yes, he's he speaking like the 1800s. He's like, hello, governor. You know, like, how was that working? Um, okay, I thought Bigfoot was like a beast. Like a, like a hairy animal. So God transformed him into a big, dark, hairy beast as part of the punishment is what they would tell okay. you to help you understand that. Yeah. I, we're all like, huh, um, okay. <laughs> I, I don't know if that works for yeah. me. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Just one of the fun little wrinkles I came across in researching this. And that was just the gist, my friend, of Mormonism. Uh, a cult or religion which neither of us are eligible to join. Another thing to add to the list that you, know you what? and I have I'm, in I'm common. I'm grateful for that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm more than happy to be excluded from that. And I so much of that I didn't know, which is shocking. Yeah. The history is the part that really gets me, all the stuff about the golden plates and then the, the revelations that came down the Just line. Just how wildly sexist and racist and homophobic it the origins are, it still shocks me, even though you kind of know, yeah. it's still kind of like, whoa, this is like, you know, we're not welcome. It's weird. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. And so in the words of the angel Moroni, this is what he said every time he departed when he'd come and visit Joseph Smith. Now I bid unto all farewell. Thank you so much for being with us, Mr. Jake Howie. This has been a delight. I hope you've had fun too. I have. Thank you so much for having me. That was it was spiritual. It was spiritual. <laughs> the way you finished that, I feel emotional. Thank you so much. That was really, really great. Terrific. So where can everyone find you? Find me anywhere. I'm all over Sydney doing comedy, so just follow me at, at Jake Howie on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got heaps of different shows coming up, so just follow me, send me a DM, Excellent. slide into my DMs, and... Yes. Um, I look forward to seeing you at gigs. Jake's got some really good videos up on his YouTube channel as well. So go and check them out. There's some very, very, very funny material. Oh, thank you, Jacob. Yeah, you'll enjoy it. All right. Thank you so much. See you again next time. Bye. Bye. Okay, Justinus, hope you enjoyed that. Hope it gave you something to discuss at upcoming dinner parties. I'm sure you've got plenty in the calendar coming up in the next few weeks. Tune in next week. We've got our good, good friend Sean Zepps returning to the pod. And uh, Lindsay, do you want to reveal a little tiny uh, teaser of what the story is about? You are telling him the story of the time Hans Christian Andersen showed up to Charles Dickens's house and was <laughs> the most abominable housemate that you could ever imagine. He was not a house guest. He was a house pest. Uh, yeah. Random story. We're really switching gears next week. (laughs) We'll see you then. Bye-bye. This is just the story of all gay men. Mm. 
there we are, lusting. Let's paint the picture for you. The straight man across the room, and then he picks a woman, and you're left alone at the gay bar. Mm-hmm. Is, yep. is Little Mermaid my life story? Well, that's maybe why we gay boys <laughs> gay respond so it. much to The Little Mermaid. Yes. Because it was written by a gay about the gay experience. You're literally telling any girl who watches, like, do not change yourself for a man. But then you talk to gay guys, and you're like, listen, just a little change. You know what I mean? Just drop your voice a little bit. You can be closeted if you need to. And guess what? If you do everything right, you'll go back to normal. <laughs> Listener.